Welcome to this episode of Better Product Launch, where we're sitting down with a founder to give you an inside look into their new product launch. Today we're talking to Andrew Gatormson, co-founder of Circle, the modern community platform for creators. Andy, it's awesome to have you on today. Thanks for having me. So just to start, tell us about Circle. So Circle is the modern community platform for creators. Imagine that you wanted to basically take your audience, right? And build an even deeper relationship with them where you actually let the people in your audience connect with each other. And you want to do it all in one place, uh, have it really nicely integrated into your website or your product and own your community, you would use Circle for that. So are you competing with the Patreons or the Gumroads? Is that sort of the space that you're, that you're in? Well, I would say Gumroad, not so much. Maybe Patreon, uh, maybe Facebook groups, maybe people that use Slack for communities. So if you were to kind of look at the landscape, when you are on Facebook and you have a Facebook group there, right? So you might be a creator, might have an audience that you build there. You don't really own the audience. It's kind of chaotic. There's all the ads on the right hand side. And it's not this like premium community experience. With Circle, you know, it's funny. One of the things that we found, uh, my co-founders and I, we worked at a company called Teachable for gosh, almost five years. And so we worked with tons of online course creators. They were teaching online. And one of the things we noticed is that if you looked at all the most successful creators, people that were teaching what they know and building audiences, selling stuff to the audiences, that the actual community piece is often what was the most valuable part for the members, for the students, for the customers, the people in the audience. But there were no tools for actually integrating the community into the rest of your product. If you had an online course or a membership or a website and you wanted to have a community piece there. So what we decided to do was basically make it so that you could take the community and build it right on top of the rest of your stack instead of using like Facebook where you would have a Facebook group in one place. You might have like course content in a whole nother place, payments in a different place. So it could be one more cohesive experience. So you saw this problem, you set out to solve it. How did the idea start and how has it kind of changed since it's taken shape? Started with my co-founders, Sid and Rudy. Sid was the ex-VP of product at Teachable. So we worked together. We were really close friends for years. And so he kind of saw the same issue, which was that there was no way to build a community kind of along with your content, right? And Rudy was working with a lot of these big name creators already as a kind of like an agency. And so it kind of just started out as a bunch of us texting back and forth. We're all trying to think through ideas. We'd been at Teachable for close to five years. And so, um, you know, and even Encore Nagpal, who's the founder and CEO there, one of my best friends in the world, like we were talking all at the same time. We're like, you know, Teachable, we just acquired, like, what's next? Like, what do we do after this? And so we started to just have a bunch of different ideas, play around with things. And we kept coming back to the idea of building a community platform for the creator space. Um, and so that's how it started. And, you know, I was still at Teachable at the time and actively talking to even Encore, you know, who is my boss, like, hey, so here's kind of what we're thinking about building. And it turned into just, you know, Sid and Rudy building a little mini product. I was still working at Teachable and, you know, getting a couple of customers here and there, reaching out to people, trying to convince them to take a risk and play with this not great product yet. And so they did that. 
we decided like, hey, you know, they're getting value out of it. We got some more customers. We said, hey, what if we took this product and we turned it into a real company? So we went out, we raised some money, and then Circle was, uh, was really born. So you're, a, you're using the investor's dream word, but also like the hardest to, to pull off platform. Because I think you say community platform for creators and there's infinite opportunities. So I could imagine the story that you tell investors really compelling. I'm curious from your perspective, within that community of creators, do you have a, an, an idea or a subset in mind of a particular type of creator that you're angling for? Yeah, the word creator is so overused. And we started using that at Teachable a while ago. But now this whole like passion economy space has taken off. Everybody uses it very broadly. For us, we kind of tie it back to what our product does, right? So our product, what it's really good at is integrating into the rest of your product or your course website or just your general website and feeling very white labeled and premium. So for us, the best use cases are typically like people who are charging for their expertise. If you have a course, you want a couple of community with it. Uh, if you're a coach, if you're an author and you want to build a community around your books and give people exclusive access and connect your readers together, if you are going to create an online newsletter, and like one of our favorite customers, her name is Anne Laura Lacombe. She's really prolific on Twitter and she's a great writer and thinker and she has this great newsletter. But what she wanted to do is take her audience and then let them start to connect with each other. And just like expand beyond the newsletter instead of it being one to many, let them discuss her ideas. But those are the types of folks that are creating content and they want to allow the people in their audience to connect and they want to monetize their expertise. You seem to be connecting a trend that's emerging. And I, I don't know how late I am to this trend, but I've noticed, I was noticing newsletters on Substack like years ago, and then it just kind of like went off my radar. And then really this year, I have found so many people using Substack again. And then a lot of newsletters I've been subscribing to have gone to subscription models, which is almost like what's old is new again. It, it definitely seems like there's a trend towards, you know, content creators being able to sort of monetize the sort of niches that they play in. So it seems like you're grabbing onto that side. But then there's also the side where it seems like you're solving distinct problems that they may have had before. In your mind with Circle, do you think you're, you're more sort of like writing this trend and you're sort of like pushing based on where the, the market is heading? Or are you solving a lot more problems that people are having today? A lot of these tools, whether it's Substack, whether it's Teachable, whether it's Kajabi, like all these tools, they're very much about your audience, but they're, they're mostly about your content. It's very much e-commerce focused, very much about giving you a way to present your content to people and maybe charge for it. With Circle, we're taking a very different approach, which is that we kind of want to be like the heartbeat for the community and you connecting the people that are in your audience with each other, but like being able to integrate with all of these different tools. It's more about the people becoming this, like the real value. Sure, you can add other things to that. Like you can give people exclusive content there, membership resources, all of that. But the focus of our product is about helping people connect with each other, message each other, giving like a rich profile context on who somebody is, offering things like, we have a lot of like live video functionality and stuff like that coming out. So it's like more human to human stuff. Do you find that you have to 
connect that dot for people? And especially, and maybe it's a good segue to, to talk about sort of your role on the marketing side of things, because it seems, again, like some people probably hear what you're saying, like, yeah, it's all about the people. But I also imagine there's a lot of people out there creating content that maybe this hasn't occurred. So are you finding that you have to sort of connect those dots for people as you sort of market circle? Yeah, there are definitely dots to be connected. But one of the things that's pretty good is like people feel this pain every single day. So as an example, you have a podcast and I don't know, you may also, let's say, have online courses. You may have like a membership experience. You, you have all these different sub communities, right? But like the real value is that all of these people, they trust you. And that's why they're willing to buy the next thing. And what gets people to stick around is when they have relationships with other people. So you may have people that are signing up to go on a Zoom call with you and have like a group coaching call or connector mastermind or whatever it is. Then you may have people that are on your email list. Ultimately though, like you're stitching a bunch of parts of your audience together and trying to connect people, but it's a whole, there are a whole lot of different tools that you have to make work together. And so a lot of people are looking for a more cohesive way to do it versus all the plug and play. So sure, totally have to communicate like how we do it, but we don't have to communicate the need for it. So you're not finding it's like, why is it important to do? You feel like that, that's sort of, you know, well-known. Yeah, people get that. But what they're really doing is they're saying, why should I use Circle instead of running my community on Slack? Or why should I use Circle instead of creating like a Facebook group? Yeah, I think we even found out about you because our... Ellie, who runs helps run our podcast, was researching tools just like that. I was looking at Mighty Network and all these other, you know, Discord and things like that. And uh, that's how you know we had learned about you. So definitely, maybe I'm just in the minority where it didn't. I actually didn't think about the connecting part when we first started the podcast. And when we started it, people were like, "Oh, you can build a community," and I was just like, "Yeah, yeah, totally a community." But I was just like, it didn't really like connect. And it, was, it took like a year and a half. I'm like, "Oh, I I think I finally get it now." So I maybe I'm just a late adopter. You know, it makes total sense, but on that point, a lot of people just use the the word community so broadly and they kind of confuse it for audience because a community, a lot of people say, yeah, join my community of blah, blah, blah. It's just your audience. It's not like you're actively connecting those people together and like putting in the work to facilitate and like nurture those relationships. It's just an audience, which is fine, but it's not like the way that we think about community. Is that one thing that differentiates you from Patreon then? Because it feels like Patreon is very audience focused and it, it's not about kind of interacting with other people. Yeah. And Patreon is not the only version of this. There are a lot of tools that say like, oh yeah, we have like this community feature, right? Often what it is, is it's like comments on a blog post or it's like one page inside the product where people can reply to like threads or something like that. It's not a community driven tool to like really facilitate relationships between people and like nurture this place where people want to come and spend time. That's not what it is. Like Patreon is amazing. I love Patreon, but it's about building an audience. It's about selling stuff to the audience. It's about your fans coming and like consuming content typically. Well, I feel like we need to, to acknowledge better product in this too. And, and it will segue to another question I have. So we had the better product podcast initially for a year. And then about a year ago, we switched over to better product.community. So that's our URL. We had this big vision for it. Well, at the time we're based in Indianapolis, the community to us, we were going to start geographically like in person, because that's 
Innovate Map, you know, our agency, that's what we do. We do a lot of events. We go to events. And so we're just going to build around that. So that was the original plan. Then COVID happened. And so like we had all these like in-person events that they all got canceled. And so now we had to switch over to this digital community. But I would be honest, I think if our listeners are like, yeah, I've always wondered why you have a doc community, but you don't really have a community and, and you're sort of exposing that. Yeah, we kind of like, we have an audience. We do, we, we have plans to build a community, but the, the two things that have, have been a challenge for us is one, you know, going into the fully remote world changed the way that we were personally going to build the community initially. And then second, to just sell your product for you, there weren't great tools that helped us connect all those things together. So like while we wanted to do it, I'm looking at the burden of like starting a Slack community and having a moderator or whatever this is. And so it all just was like, we're not quite ready for that. So as you've been building this, have you been impacted, you know, one way or another with, with a lot of these communities that maybe were physical and having to go virtual? Yeah, of course it's been great for our business, but like in the worst way, because you know, I'm the person that does five or 10 one-on-one demos with people every day. I do all the group calls with people, right? So people tell me the stories about like, oh yeah, so we were doing it this way and now we need to do it this way. We need to figure it out really fast. And so with community tools, there's a whole bunch of them and um, some are better than others. So I by no means try and convince everybody to use Circle. I try and route people. I route people to like our direct competitors all the time uh, if it's the right tool for them. So yes, we've seen a lot of people that are trying to make this transition online. And as much as I believe that we're building this really fantastic tool for online communities, you know, a lot of people I do end up telling them, like, if you're just trying to do these group calls, just go on Zoom. And like, that's a community. If you have like 10 people on there and you're having a call and people are getting what they need out of that call, like you don't need some fancy tool for it. That's fine. So what, give us an example of, of something you're thinking about. Like what, what are some sort of value adds to communities that, that Circle provides? Like a specific feature that you're either working on now or, or that's you know, about to be launched. First of all, with Circle, like one of the big value props is that it's all white labeled. It's all your brand. So it's really clean and beautiful. And it makes, you, it makes you look really good to your members, right? So you can charge premium prices. You can make people want to spend time in your community because it looks good. The other thing is you can have different levels of access to different people, right? So you might have all these different subgroups and part of the community can be completely open and and free. And we have some great, like MakerPad is a great example of a community that uses us. Big no-code developer community, right? Part of their community is completely free and open. People get a lot of value just from that. It helps their brand. But then they also have these smaller private gated parts of their community as well for their paying members. And so you can really give people a tailored community experience depending on how they're interacting with your brand, what they've paid you for. Uh, are they part of this group? You can have small little cohorts and, and things like that. And then, you know, there's just really rich like member profiles and badges and asynchronous discussions. So it's very calm for, for better or for worse. It's not like a Slack channel, right? Like it's not all like the little things going off. It's, a lot of like very well thought out comments, replies and threads, things like that. It's funny that you say that about Slack too, because one thing that Slack identified was this need that, that people want quick and easy communities to spin up. You know, when I first joined Slack for like work, and then I saw all these very specific Slacks that like appealed to my other interests or to my professional organizations or tools that I use. But you're right. It's not the right 
tool for it at the same time too, because of that, you're gone for a day and, and everything is gone and, you, and you've missed it all. But I'm really curious, you mentioned that with COVID, like people were talking about how they're having to change how their community interacts. Has that affected your roadmap and what you're looking to build? Yeah. So um, there are a lot of in-person communities, but like one example might be like coaches. Coaches, they often do a lot of in-person type stuff and they they need to connect before and after, right? So we have a, a lot of live video functionality that's coming out over the next couple of months. And of course, live video, obviously, like we were always going to build live video, but it's just now we moving it up a little bit. We're doing it a little bit quicker. It's becoming even more of just like a core part of the product. I'm curious, this is kind of a product specific question, but like in cases like that, do you have to evaluate whether it's something that you will build natively versus, you know, what you integrate with a lot of things? Or do you guys make decisions like internally on like what you're going to decide to build internally or integrate with something else that does it better and you can just kind of seamlessly weave it in? Yeah, it's a great question. It's really simple for us. So we kind of look for us, like what's the biggest risk to our business and what's the biggest risk to our, our customers' businesses? And then let's attack that biggest risk first and try and overcome that biggest challenge first because other ones are, are fine. They're not like a risk, like real risk to the business. That is engagement. Can the communities be thriving, engaged communities where people spend time and interact and all that? So we ask ourselves every time we're making a product decision, is this going to help with engagement? To give you a real life example of like how this impacts things, will video help our creators get more engagement? Of course they will. Will like our weekly digest that we put together for you, stuff like that, like that tech, will that help engagement? Of course, notifications, better connections, member, of course, all that will. Payments is a big business opportunity for us. There's a lot of like money to be made by integrating native payments into the product. But it's not that hard for our customers to do it right now. They hook up with like Stripe and Zapier. So we'll build it, but we're not going to build it in the next three months. We're just going to build the stuff that we know will help them get engagement. And that's kind of how we prioritize different things. So what's next for Circle? This may sound boring, but like we're so excited about the actual product and a lot of the different features and things that we have coming out, right? So things like group messaging and a lot of like the ability to run live events and webinars and group coaching calls, all that kind of stuff negatively right in there and have it be a really cool UX and like be able to like drag the screen around picture in picture, like that kind of stuff. Right. And then hiring, we're also going to be growing the team. Uh, so we'll announce some, some roles soon if we haven't already, but that's really exciting to kind of expand out. Our team has been very small so far, but we're opening up a few roles. So uh, that'll be at circle.so slash careers when those go up. That's awesome. Andy, it's been so good to talk to you. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Appreciate your time, Andy. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been great. Really appreciate it. That was a fun conversation with Andy talking about circle.so. And I feel like I don't know if Notion started this, but they're at least the first product that I noticed that uses .so. So um, anyway, just just putting that out there. Because Circle, that's like a that's a hard domain to get. I mean, Circle.com, I don't even know what that is, but yeah, that's a bold move to go after Circle. I wonder if there's like circ. It's like we should yeah. ask about the name. What's a Circle Community Circle? You know. Andy, Let us know us. what's behind Let the circle. Know. I thought of so many puns when you you mentioned at some point 
how have things taken shape? And I was like, Anna, it's a circle anyway, but I didn't, but I just did now. I'm pun blind. It's, it's actually, I've been cl- clinically diagnosed. You're, yeah, <laughs> It's like natural, like ingrained. Yeah. So I was thinking, I, I'll see if I can make this, this connection and see what, see what you think of this, but like Towards the end of that conversation, he started talking about, you know, the premium brand offering in, in white labeling it. And white labeling is obviously nothing new, but on their homepage itself, the mock they have really clean, you know, modern, really elegant looking UI. And then even the, the, the fake brand they put in there just, just looks good. And I got to thinking about another product spotlight we had on the show, Yao Inning, uh, talking about Malomo. And he was talking about in the e-commerce space, like sellers operating outside of Amazon, you know, they're selling at, at more premium, um, whereas Amazon's more for like the commodities or like the brandless stuff. And he was talking about brands. Andy also mentioned the word brands instead of like companies, you know, a little bit in there too. And I was thinking about how just like, you know, Yao and the experience of Malomo does for e-commerce brands where, where it makes a more premium experience. It feels like that's kind of the angle that he's taking with this as well, which is that it's not just if you're a creator that you want to build a community, but Circle is something that you can also use to facilitate that plus increase the value you provide to your community, which makes it even more exclusive. So it's almost like it's not even just that Circle is giving them functions to build communities, but it's actually giving them a tool to increase their standing and their value to their own community, which is really smart. Yeah, that's interesting. He called it the passion economy, like people who are, you know, it sounds like these are, these are obviously creators, but they're people who are creating in different ways and then want to create these communities around the things that they have done, which is like, it's bigger than e-commerce and it's bigger than just having a podcast. This reminds me a little bit of, I don't know if you are familiar with my favorite murder, the podcast. Have you heard of that? Only from you telling me many times. Well, What's really interesting about that podcast is, it, you know, say what you will about the podcast. It has spawned a community of people who call themselves murderinos. And these communities exist everywhere. They exist on every social network. And what's so interesting about the uh, murderino community is that, because I am a part of it on, on Facebook, so I think it's really interesting. I see people posting it just looking for like dry cleaners or like doctors or just like doing like plant exchanges. Like, so it's this idea of you're not just a creator, you're a creator who has created something that it's almost like the idea of like that lifestyle brand. And I like how he talked about, you know, people will come and they'll talk to him about, oh, I I need this tool. And he's like, it sounds like you just need Zoom. It it sounds like you, you wouldn't necessarily benefit from this, but it's like, what is it that differentiates a person who would just need Zoom versus like a person who's creating a community where, I don't know, people can, can interact with each other. There, there is that, that, that nuance between the two. Well, you, you started referencing when you talking about that passion economy. I think that part's important because, you know, there are definitely things you can get into with not worrying about interacting with other people. Like you can just be, I'm a fan of a sports team and I can, I can be a fan of them. And maybe I don't necessarily care about interacting with other fans, but like when you are passionate about something, that's when you start like identifying a bit more with that, which then starts to mean that you kind of do want to interact with other people. And, and I would say like even looking at the past of like, you know, things like Reddit as one of the earlier examples of something like really like diving into these really niche communities, but they don't, Reddit doesn't necessarily build communities. They just really go deep on like very niche topics. And then in like the real world, you get like meetup type 
you know, applications or, or tools that we use that we can go meet up with other people, but there's nothing that really like helps enhance the community. But it's like, I was thinking about like the Elks Lodge or like Shriners or like all these other like relics from the past that at least people in the Midwest will drive around and see on the side of the road, like in small towns. And I'm always like, who still goes to those things? And, and what's that like? And it, all of my uncles, every single All of your uncles. Yeah, they're yes, keeping they it alive. All, you have yeah. a lot of uncles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do. Um, have, I have many uncles. I feel like everybody on the show who's in the U.S. has an uncle who is a moose or an elk or a, I don't know the other ones, but there's other ones. But no, I think that's kind of the old school, the communities that I think were, were big in, in, in the country like decades or a century ago where you'd start building these communities where people would actually go be around and talk about things that were specific. But now with, you know, the way that things have gone digitally, it has like reemerged with more opportunities to like find these niche interests, but actually foster community that I don't know that was really that easy to do other than like broadcast like newsletters or things like that. Um, so I, I do feel like Circle is latching on to some major trend, which is almost like an old fashioned trend, but with a much more modern take. Drawing that connection between the Elks Club and Circle, like that's like blowing my mind apart. It's so interesting. I'm very curious if now Elks is going to be featured on their site as I a brand. I feel like there's a lot we don't know about the Elks Club. There is. I, I'm sure there's like a, the deep, dark history there. What but. was that uh, movie from the early 2000s from the Dawson's the Skulls. Creek guy? Skulls. Yeah, like, yes, or the Illuminati. Like there's some, yeah, there's some Illuminati stuff going on. Yeah, there's on, some but, stuff going on I in some clubs. I see what you're saying. It's like, you know, everybody wants to be a part of some kind of tribe. And, and this allows you to to do that in, in, in not just one way, but in multiple ways. You know, I was watching the demo of Circle and the, the, the UI actually has that Slack-like layout on the left side where you can switch communities. So it's almost like you don't have to choose. It's like, I'm not just a passive income follower, which is one of their communities they have on, on Circle. You know, I'm passive income and I'm whatever, fitness person, you know? So it's almost like you are <laughs> the conglomeration of the communities that you're a part of. Yeah, it's almost like a community tool following the intersectionality of that reaching the, the public discourse. It's interesting. Yeah. Instead of selling people, you're like an IN, whatever, an IN, INFJ. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a passive income you know, cat, murderino. Cat lady, murderino. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's probably a very like tight intersection there. Like cat lady Possibly. and murderinos and... Oh, that's, that's like not 100% a, that's a, that's a inter- circle. That's it's a, a circle. circle. A circle. Oh, and on that coming. note, we did it. We did it. We solved the mystery. Okay. So before we wrap up, I do want to, you know, call back to like even ourselves with the better product community. I do feel like I mean, solving a problem that is probably preventing people from doing more just because the tools aren't there. I, we, we know this from ourselves. Like we've wanted to build a better product community, but our standards are high. We want to make sure that when we do it, we can do it well and that we're providing real value. And, and I, I've personally not loved the options out there. It's like every option I look at, like that's going to take so much work for us to do that well. I want to wait until we're really ready and I just imagine there's a lot of communities out there that Circle can tap into that are, they're almost like latent. They're almost like waiting to be activated because somebody is just like wants to do something, but they don't have the tools. So I, I love that these trends are problems that maybe exist. The tool is almost like a missing piece that actually lets people see a possibility they, they couldn't see before. So I'm very excited to see what, what Circle does in the next year. So if you want to find out more about Circle, go to circle.so. Yep. And as always, I'm Christian. And I'm Anna. And this is another episode of Better Product Launch. I thought you were going to say launch when I paused there. Oh, I was finding the stop button.
I'll this say a good dramatic time. pause. Better product oh. lunch. 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 Thanks for listening to the show this week. If you're looking for more resources on how to design, build, market, and sell better products, then head over to betterproduct.community to join, well, the community. And as always, we're curious, what does better product mean to you? Shoot us an email at podcasts at innovatemap.com.